So tonight, thank you again for coming and joining us here at Ash Wednesday. What I want to ask you to do is just join me as we take a look together at what Ash Wednesday means for us. There's a particular scripture uh, that we're going to be entering into tonight for just a couple of minutes, and it comes from Jesus' time in the Sermon on the Mount. And what I'd ask you to do is just take a look at a scripture with me, and as we uh, explore together what Jesus began to say uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, we want to talk about what righteousness means. From Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, Jesus says these words. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, he says, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Notice he uses the word your before righteousness to distinguish it from God's righteousness. And that's important. Because as we talk about Ash Wednesday and what that means, we who have been raised according to a certain tradition in the Christian church are used to seeing crosses of ashes on people's foreheads about this time of year. But the question is, is that us practicing our righteousness? Or is that a reflection of God's righteousness? The question becomes this, do we continue to practice outward behaviors of repentance if they help us to worship God during the season of Lent if they're seen by other people, like receiving the sign of the cross on the forehead? What I want to propose to you tonight is potentially a heart change for you during this Lenten season. You know, when Christmas rolls around every year, I have this strict regimen in my diet where I avoid eating four specific things, and they're all related to carbohydrates. I avoid potatoes and bread and rice and pasta pretty much all the time. And when I get to Christmas time, I have this stalwart resolve that no matter what happens and no matter who serves a meal to me at Christmas time, I'm not going to eat any of those four foods. But one food I cannot resist is the rum ball. I don't know if you've ever had a rum ball before. It's basically rum and chocolate all mashed together in a nice little ball. And you can look up the recipe online and people doctor it up in all different kinds of ways. But in essence, it's a little bit of rum and it's a little bit of chocolate. And I cannot resist them. Whenever I go by the refrigerator, I get at least one, if not two, every time I pass the refrigerator at Christmas time. Some people think that when we get to Lent, it's the idea of stopping behaviors like that. Like there's a certain kind of food or there's a certain thing and, and maybe when we get to Lent, we just need somebody to come along and just say no for us. Set a boundary line. Put that line in place so I don't have to let this get between me and God at Lenten time. But I would suggest that even if you go so far as to think about all the things that you love to do and all the things that you are tempted to give up at Lenten season, that there is a smarter way, there's a better way to enter into a season of penitence than giving stuff up. In fact, even if you try to replace all those yummy things with things that are green or things that are clear, 
and free of all kinds of caffeine and additives and things like that, even if you try to purify your diet during the Lenten season, there's something more for you than just that. What I would suggest is this, that Lent is not so much about giving stuff up as it is making a switch. And here's what I mean by that. If you think about Jesus on the cross, you think about his sacrifice, what he did up there for us. It's easy to simply think of Jesus on the cross as someone who paid for my sins and then walk away from that message and attempt to try to stop doing things in Jesus' name. But God's smarter than that. God's bigger than that. And God has more love for you than that. You see, here's how the cross works. The cross is not simply just Jesus dying on that cross and then you trying to believe in it. What happened was when Jesus died on that cross, he was taking your place. You were the one who was supposed to be there. You were the one whose sins were supposed to cost you your life. You were the one whose sins were supposed to cost you your very blood, your very body. But instead of you, it was Jesus. Jesus went up there on the cross in your place. And what he talks to us about doing in the kingdom of God is not so much the stopping of behaviors, but the switching of lives. You see, Jesus switched with you on the cross. And he wants to switch with you in your life. He wants to live in your life in the same way he switched with you up on the cross. And the way Jesus explains this idea and gives life to it is in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about giving to the needy and to the poor in this way. I want to show you the scripture from Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 2 just right after what we just read. The Bible says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Look at this. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. But then Jesus does this. He flips it upside down and says, this is how giving and generosity and serving and getting in touch with the needy in the name of God really works. He says, verse 3. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will do what? He will reward you. Now, what does that reward look like? Is it a monetary reward because you're giving to the poor? You know, he could do that if he wanted to. But I would suggest that the reward is spiritual. The reward is in the heart. The reward develops you to be more and more like Jesus. Jesus says this about prayer. When we pray, Jesus says, think about prayer in this way. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward already in full. The notoriety of being seen praying publicly. But when you pray, he said, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, secret will reward you. The other night we asked Caleb to pray over our meal at dinner time. 
And he's been listening to the Bible on an Alexa in his room at night as he goes to sleep. And he refused to pray at dinner time because of this set of verses. And he even named them and said, the Bible says I'm supposed to go into my room behind closed doors and pray in secret. And I was like, wow, you were listening. That's awesome. And it's okay for us to pray in public, but follow what Jesus is teaching here. What he's teaching here is from the heart. When you pray, don't pray to receive attention on yourself. Pray to have communion with God. Receive that time, that sweet time with God, as special between the two of you. And if you're in a situation where you're leading others in prayer, remember, Jesus wants us to be a party to what he is doing. Switching his life out for ours. Jesus goes on and talks about fasting. Have you ever fasted before? Fasting is something that a lot of people do during Lent. And fasting takes, care, takes all kinds of ways, shapes, and forms. It could be, you know, saying no to chocolate or saying no to a certain kind of food, something like that. But basically what fasting is, is skipping some kind of food for spiritual reasons. Jesus talked about fasting in this way. He said, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But, Jesus says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will do what? Reward you. He will build you spiritually. So the challenge for us this Lenten season is to do this. It is to remember that Jesus is the one who did the suffering. Jesus is the one who took that week of suffering to the cross and completed it there. Jesus is the one who died for you and me. But think of what Jesus did and think of the season of Lent in this way. The season of Lent is not about simply giving something up. The season of Lent is exchanging something. It's exchanging something in your heart where you're trying to please God and or other people. Exchanging that for the fact that Jesus has done all the work. And what he calls us to do in repentance during Lenten season is to receive his heart instead of our heart. The heart that would try to impress the heart that would try to look in the mirror and say, look, I am righteous. I'm doing something that would please God. Instead, we look in the mirror and say, that's Jesus. There's a substitution that's made. There's a switch that happens. And when we look in the mirror and see the scars that are left behind from the life we live day by day as followers of Jesus, those scars can be banners of God's healing power. They may be scars that are on your body. They may be scars that are on your spirit. They may be scars in your speech, in your relationships. Those scars are for you a sign, a sign that God loves you and heals you and redeems you. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, genuine I am, yet regarded as imposter known we are yet regarded as unknown dying and yet we live on do you see the substitution that's being had here 
no matter the circumstances and the scars of your life, there's a life that's been substituted in the place of that. It's a life of victory and power. Paul goes on and says this, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing what? Everything. So when we see Christ on the cross and remember who we are, remember that God placed his seal on us when we're baptized and claimed us as his child. Let us remember that who we are is his prize, is who he went to the cross for, not simply so that we could try, but so that we could die in him and be reborn. That is what these ashes are all about. They're about remembering Jesus and the power of his trip to the cross just a few days from now. So I'd invite you to pray with me. And as we do that, as we close up these thoughts in this meditation and get ready to sing in response, I'd ask you to just think in a new way on this Lenten season, whether it's your first one or your 10th or your 30th or your 40th. Think of it in a new way as a substitution, a switch, a new life, a new start. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for going to the cross. Thank you for being who you are, a substitution, a complete and perfect substitution for all my sin. God, as I enter into this season, these next few days, let me see them in a new way. Let me see the ashes I will bear tonight on my forehead as a new thing, a reflection of the mark you placed on me as your child when I was baptized. God, we ask that you would come and speak now as we prepare to confess and receive those ashes and receive your forgiveness once again. In your name we pray and together we say, amen and amen.